If we're going to look at Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the Bible declares, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditateth day and night. Verse 3 says, He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Is that in your Bibles? Amen. Amen. We're going to run over to Luke 5, 18 and 19. And it reads from the ESV version. Some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. But not finding a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, let him down through the tiles with the stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh, neighbor, are you religious? Are you a carrier? Shall we pray? Father God, in the name of the magnanimous Jesus that we serve, we honor you today, Father, for increase. Father, we ask today that you will move through your word, that we will have an encounter with you. We're praying, Father, fervently for your manservant, that I may not add or subtract from your word, but speak it in its entirety. We thank you for this atmosphere that has been set. We thank you for the worship that has been rendered. And we pray to God that what is said and what is spoken will energize this congregation that will cause a lost sinner to cry out, what must I do to be saved? And most importantly, that you would get the glory and the honor through the prophetic preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We humbly ask these things in Jesus' name. Let the church of God say amen. 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 I want to talk to you today about being religious or being a carrier. In context, I want to deal with some characters in Luke chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. And there are some characters in the story. And I preach a little bit differently. I like to get a little crazy, so you just bear with me. But we're going to have a good time today in the Lord. Characters in this story are Jesus, and the Lord's healing power was strongly in Jesus. We have Pharisees in the context and teachers of religious law all over Galilee and Judea. We have um, the crowd, and we also have a man who was paralytic, and he had four friends. Look at somebody and say, thank God. Y'all not doing it right. Look at somebody, eyeball to eyeball, and say, thank God if you have four friends. I know most of you today thinking about that. Who can I pick out that's really my true friend? And more importantly, how hard it is to have four good friends. But the text says 
that these men were carrying a man on a stretcher who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of Jesus. They couldn't find a way in because of the crowd and they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles on the stretcher into the middle of the crowd. And this man who was lying on the bed um, reveals the man had been paralyzed for a very long time. Everyone knew it. The man was not faking his paralysis. I love to know when the person comes in and their situation is genuine. When you're religious, you'll overlook it because you can't see the symptoms because you're too busy looking at yourself. Uh, this man now reveals that he had been paralyzed and everyone knew it. He was not faking it. Mark 2 and 3 says that four men were carrying him and apparently there was one man on each corner of the bed. Now I want you to, to understand that when you have a stretcher and the stretcher is there that there's four men, one on each corner of the bed and when the body of Christ we need men and leaders who will get on each corner of those who need Jesus to make sure that we can get them to Jesus, amen, effectively. Uh, the man now was also told that they had been trying uh, to bring their friend inside of the house. Um, the Greek language is helpful once again and reveals that they had been repeatedly trying to do this for some time. Thank God for individuals who will never give up. Thank God for individuals who will continue to press their way when they understand the importance of getting someone to Jesus. The man was there repeatedly trying for some time and these men, the Bible declares, were beginning to get frustrated. Let me explain something to you. When you have a burden of doing something great, frustration is a part of your success. In order for you to be able to understand how God is going to work it out, frustration will be a prerequisite in your journey. You can never be a child of God if you never get frustrated over something or someone or some situation gets you down. We are once told that they've been trying to get this man inside. Their goal was to get their friend now in front of Jesus and this was not possible. Some had an idea. He said, I don't know if we can get him inside because of the crowd, but we're not going to give up and we're not going to give out. One of them who was sitting there with his genius in his mind said, let's go up to the rooftop where we can now begin to see if we can figure out a way to get this man down to Jesus. And in the text, apparently, uh, if you understand contextually, the perimeters of that time, there were stairs that normally ran on the outside exterior portion of those homes. There were stairs outside that led up to the roof of those types of homes. The archaeology tells us that the roofs of the homes in Jesus' days were constructed of timbers and trees and poles that were spread about two to three feet in diameter. They were small branches with knees and brush and palm fronds. They were laid on top of that. Next came leaves and dirt and finally some clay that was rolled flat that kept 
stability for the roof. Consequently, the roof could be removed by removing the clay off of the position that was laid in. The bottom of the floor of the home was normally dirt. There was no tile and no marble and no nice carpet like you have here, but they were in there because Jesus was there. And the Bible says they had no idea of how they were going to get him to Jesus. They just knew the mission was to carry him to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The key thought here is that sometimes Jesus can see the faith of a person who needs to be healed and he blesses him based upon their faith. Sometimes faith even isn't mentioned and it doesn't appear to be an issue of Jesus' healing ministry. Jesus will heal you if he sees your faith and Jesus can heal you if you even don't have faith because he has the power and the sovereignty to do that which he wills. Their love, however, and their concern, however, and their faith was crying out to Jesus. They were crying out to Jesus for help because of this man. This is yet a great youth when you get your hands dirty for someone else by digging through a circumstance that ain't got nothing to do with you, but it's got everything to do with the person you're trying to get Jesus to. In other words, this roof was the demonstration of their faith. They said, I'm going to break through this roof. So I'm going to break through this roof because risk is often encountered and confronted by your love. If you love somebody enough, you'll take a greater risk for them. Am I right about it? When Jesus died on Calvary, there was a risk, but there was also love. God said he sent his son to die on the cross for all of us because paralyzed folk need friends. In Luke chapter 5, verse 18 tells us that folk who are in bondage, in sin, who are paralyzed by the circumstances of life need folk like you and I who will get on the four corners of their dilemma and carry them to Jesus. In other words, some men were carrying this paralyzed man, the text says, on a sleeping mat. These paralyzed people, many people feel trapped, brothers and sisters, and imprisoned by their habits, the hurt things that have gone on in their life and their hang-ups. Here's a picture of this condition. An imprisoned spirit laying bound in sin, unable to move. I've had people that will come up in our church in prison and strapped in prison in sin, unable to move, unable to breathe, unable to stretch out. Let me help you with this. Expect more than others can think possible. These four men had an expectation and they knew what was possible if they could get him in front of Jesus. Let me explain something to you. Faith, it finds a way. Only those who will risk going too far can only find out how far they can possibly go. They dared to be difficult. They attempted the unorthodox. They risked the dangerous and they paid the price for the costly. Let me explain something to you. Real timid churches don't understand that Christians don't have a stomach or a heart. Amen man for Jesus. How many of you know that if you can't get over it, if you can't get over it, if you can't get around it, you'll get hindered. If you can't see past the circumstance, it will stop you. Will you go through the roof for your brother or your sister? Will you go through the roof for somebody who needs Jesus? There's a race relationship between faith and healing. Jesus wants you to know a sinner is his best friend. Who do we invite at our table? 
I'm paraphrasing in Luke chapter 531. Jesus answered them. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Verse 32, he says, I've come not to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and that need to repent. And I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, that if you're at the table and trying to get to Jesus, are you going to do it by grace? Or are you going to try to do it with your religion? See, your religion can drive people away, but grace can draw folk in. Most of the time when we're out there proclamating the word, we're proclamating it from a religious posture and not a grace posture. A grace posture is tasteful and religion drives folk away. Y'all know what I'm talking about but we have to change the infrastructure of how we present this gospel so that we can draw individuals into Jesus so in context with that I want to run real quick over to Psalms chapter 1 verse number 1 and I want to just tie this all together because I know y'all were wondering what are you going to deal with the other text that's where you laugh, amen, it's all right. <laughs> the Bible declares that in Psalms 1, David draws a wonderful picture with a very dark background. God is a consummate artist, and he never paints these wonderful and beautiful pictures without throwing them into a dark background. God now paints realities he set forth facts as they are, and he always shows up the lie because God paints from the truth. If this picture of the Garden of Eden, brothers and sisters, is a solemn example of one who walked in the counsel of the ungodly. Y'all remember Eve. Eve, she walked in the counsel of the ungodly because she was set against a dark background of this deceiver who was called the serpent with natural and a murderous type of heart set for destruction. So in this psalm, what God does is he puts the ungodly in the background and then he displays the godly in the foreground of the picture starting with a great word called blessed. Blessed is a peculiar word having a sacred nature connected with God. The Greek word macros, which means to extend benefits. How many of you know when you walk with God, he will extend your benefits? And when God extends your benefits, you become a benefit to somebody else. Let me help you with that. In other words, you become fortunate now when you're blessed. When you're blessed, it becomes a position now where you can receive from God. What can you receive? The benefits that come from obeying the wonderful word of God. The Bible says blessed is the man. The man who is blessed is a man who has a kind of charmed life. In other words, you don't know exactly what's going on, but you know who's in control. And now you can't explain your influence. You can't explain your success. You can't explain why you have it. You can't even explain why you got it. All you know is you're blessed even in the midst of ugliness even in the midst of when your bills are due even in the midst when things are going wrong I'm just blessed because I'm trusting in the Lord blessed here are in so many places like in Matthew chapter 5 11 through number 3 the double word primarily signifies, watch this, a divine benediction in contrast, watch this of God's curse rest upon this man Second and consequently, it results 
denotes a happy man, but blessed is a man is not blessed are they. Look at somebody and say, blessed is a man don't mean everybody. This is a singular emphasis that's dealing strictly on a personal relationship with God. In other words, you can be sitting next to somebody who is blessed, and blessed don't mean that you're blessed because you're sitting next to somebody that's blessed. Blessed is a singular in context because each one of us has the ability to decide whether we're going to obey the very word of God. I'm going somewhere with this. I want to take my time, but I'm going to build this thing up. Watch this. He also says that it's striking to observe that God has opened this book of Psalms describing to us those who praise alone are acceptable to him in him that follows. And in the verse 3, the Holy Spirit is given to us a portrait by which many may honestly compare ourselves. In other words, the man of whom divine benediction rests only on the man who's able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Outstanding features of this portrait that God has painted. He describes a man that is blessed who can stand in the midst of an ugly backdrop but changes his mind and say, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to delight myself in the law of the Lord and the word of God. When you're blessed, that's dealing with separation. And when you delight, that deals with occupation. And when you become, verse 3, that's fertilization. Let me explain something to you. When you delight in the law of the Lord, that's separation. And when you look at delighting in the word, that's occupying yourself. And then you become fertile. In other words, verse number 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of ungodly. This implies a downward course of the wicked walking than standing in a more fixed state. Let me explain something to you. Whenever you are in a fixed state, that means you're not going to move. He says, blessed is the man that stands there, but is not influenced by what's going on. Let me break that down for you. These four men who were sitting there carrying this man who was paralyzed was blessed. Why were they blessed? Because there were some obstacles in their way that were prohibiting them from getting them to Jesus. But because they were blessed, the man who was paralyzed became blessed because they understood who could be the blessor to the one who needed a blessing. But let me explain something to you. Whenever you come in contact with Jesus, something has to happen, not only for you, but for those who are around you. I'm blessed and you are blessed because I understand how to be blessed and to separate myself, occupy and delight in the very word of God. But in verse 2 says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. It seems to have been one of David's watch this favorite expressions of the word if you see psalms 19 and 119 the law of the lord throws emphasis on the divine authority upon God's will. Let me explain something to you. You can carry somebody and don't get frustrated when you understand God's will. When you understand God's will, you'll carry them when you get tired because you understand not my will, but nevertheless thy will be done concerning this situation. The carnal mind, the Bible says, is enemy against God. What did they have to deal with? The crowd that was around start getting into their mind 
lines to start saying it's too difficult for me. How many of you know a back, ugly background can be painted when you're trying to do something for God? We're trying to build this building, and then you come in here and the carpet toe up, and the seats are all bad. The devil start playing with your mind. You start getting you frustrated, mad at the leadership, mad at your preacher, mad at your first lady. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When things don't go right, somebody got to be the fall guy, am I right? But when you have a mind that is stayed on Jesus, it will fight what the devil is trying to bring your way. You will become a carrier instead of being religious. So he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It seems to be a mark for those who have been born again. You can't delight in nothing if you ain't been born in it. Am I right about it? It was speaking to folk who have been born again. In other words, that there was proof that they have received the spirit of Christ. For he had declared that I will delight to do thy will, O God. That is Psalms chapter 40, verse number 8. God's word is daily bread to a blessed man. Let me help you out. God's word is what? Daily bread to a blessed man. I got that from, from J.K. When he came down and told us about manna and said, what is this? It was daily bread that blessed God's people who were wandering around for 40 years trying to get to the promised land. Now, I just want to serve notice to Mountain View. Don't take 40 years to get to where God has your journey for. In three days, if you stay in the word, if you live by the word, God says, I will open up doors with windows of blessings where you won't even have room to receive what God is getting ready to do do for Mountain View. Verse 3 deals with the fertilization because of the complete break, because it separates us from the council of policy, from the fellowship and the voluntaries, from his pleasures. There must be a genuine subjection to God's authority. Let me help you with that. In order for you to be fertile, that means you've subjected yourself and submitted yourself to what God has already told you to do. You can't be fertile. You're sterile if you're not listening to God. You are sterile. You have no influence if you're not listening to God. It's amazing to me how you can do something and can't produce nothing because you're not listening to what God's word says. It's amazing to me how we sit back and we use cliches like broad is the way and narrow is the path to, to account for how come people are not coming to church. But you have to look back at that text that has nothing to do with the numerical presence. It had everything to do about persistence of spreading the word. How many of you know that broad is the way, but I can line up 20 million people in a straight line. I can line up 500 million people in a straight line on that narrow path you can still win it don't mean that you're lost it just means that we're all on the same page so with such a dark background it's equally be important to be reminded of our separation our occupation and fertilization spending time with God would do it and when you understand in totality what these men did who were, who were carriers among a bunch of religious folk who had to do what nobody else was willing to do about a person who needed something that he couldn't get on his own. They had to deal with the fact that it was an ugly backdrop. You know how religious folk can get. Some folks sitting next to you so religious to stop you from being able to worship this morning. Say amen if you can. Some of you wanted to shout but you didn't because you were next to somebody too religious to let you shout. You were sitting there wanting to say, God, I thank you for another day. But you just sat there with your arms folded and your legs crossed and just 
straitjacket in, but let me explain something to you. If you've been locked up in sin and God set you free, baby, that means you got to move. That means you got to get up. That means you got to celebrate because once God had bound, Jesus has set me loose. Let me go ahead on. Watch this. Watch this as these men. Can I get four men real quick? Let me get four men. Four men, four good men, not two taller men. JK, you sit down. You ain't got nothing to do with this. Let me get another brother. Let me get you three and one more brother real quick. Thank you, brother. This brother, he, I thought he was a preacher. Come on over here. Come on over here real quick. Come on over here. Now, there you go. One here and one there and one there. Let's get down here so we can get a better illustration. Come on down here to this area. Now, now didn't I tell y'all there were four men, one on each corner of the paralyzed bed? Let me show you how this works. Let me tell you how much work it takes. Now, I want y'all to envision that you have a, 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 a mat with two handles on each end. So, you know, almost like you're grabbing a casket. You got to remember, when you're outside of Christ, you're dead anyway. So in context, they're casket carriers. Grab your casket, brother. Grab the situation. Now, here's the situation. Now, I want you to get it from the side. I want you what this pretend. There you go. That's your side. This your side. That's your side. This your side. Now, everybody getting that? When we work in the body of Christ, we're going to work in tandem. Say tandem. Tandem means that we're in agreement that we have a mission. Now, these four men had to be in agreement about this person's condition. Okay, y'all not with me. See, if you're not in agreement with his condition, then he's not going to go nowhere because you ain't going nowhere. As long as they are arguing and complaining about his, what they going to do, he's not moving. See, as long as we're in the church arguing and complaining about who's going to do this and who's going to do that, we're not moving. Dad folk are waiting on you to get it together. So they're sitting there, watch this. They're sitting there, they're holding it. Now, now watch this, this man has a condition. He can't move, he can't speak, he can just depend on them. Look at somebody and say, they depending on you. They can't move, they can't speak, they can't breathe, they're just depending on you. And as they're depending on him and him, he has to sit there and wait for them to get it together. They were in agreement and said, we're going to get them to Jesus. Say that, we're going to get them to Jesus. And I don't know about y'all, but the paralyzed man, he wasn't moving physically, but in his mind he said, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I'm getting ready to go, but I ain't got the mobility, but I got some men that's getting ready to take me where I can't go. So now they're getting ready to take them. Y'all with me? They're getting ready to take them. So they, they take them. So let's, let's march. We're going to march. And let me tell you something. You got to be careful. You got to be careful because you can't let nothing get in your way because you're carrying somebody that's fragile. And if you make the wrong step, you may drop them. And if you drop them, you can injure them more. Come on here. Let me help y'all. See, too many times in the church, we'll get somebody here, but we won't be grateful with it. We'll, we'll drop them in a hot beat and don't know why they left the church. We don't know why they went the other way because you dropped them. You dropped them and you left them where they were. So, they, so they're carrying them. And now they got to go up some steps. They go up some steps. They were already frustrated they couldn't get because of all of y'all. So they said there's got to be another way. It's too crowded with religious folk. 
who are only there for themselves. Religious folk who don't care about nobody else but themselves. We can't get in their way. We got to make another way. And so now they have to get on them stairs. So now they start getting on them stairs. You take a step this way. You got to know, you got to turn, you got to, there you go. You got to, there you go. You got to work together. Y'all see how that's working? Now he can take a step. Now come on up here. Now when he take a step, the man is off balance. So you got to lift your elbows up to keep him level. Now take some more steps. Now I gotta show y'all, it's work getting them to Jesus. He got to stay level, why? Because he can't move on his own. He's paralyzed. Take another step. Now watch the elbows automatically. There it is. We're working in tandem. Take another step. There it is. Y'all see what I'm talking about? When you know what God has for you, you will work together in tandem and bring souls to Jesus. Now, now, I need three of y'all. I just need three. Just three of y'all. Just three of y'all. Go ahead and see. Just three. Whichever three. They See, that's what I love. They, I want to be the one. I, I want to be the one now. Just Y'all, come on up here. Come on up here. Well, you, these, these are y'all seats? Amen. Go and sit in them real quick. I know they thought I was going to do something with it, but I wasn't going to do nothing with them. In context, church, we have spent too much time being religious and not carriers. See, when you understand that our job is to carry folk who are strapped in a condition to get them to Jesus means you do it by any means necessary. And we ain't got time to complain because it's serious business. Saving souls is what serious business, which means that since God had the nerve to sit there and look at you while you were yet a sinner in the club, shaking it and dropping it like it was hot, doing what you wanted to do in the club, doing all this here. I used to do it. I met my wife dancing and she still dances, but she's changed her dance. She's changed the way she performs. She used to do it for the devil, but now she dances for the Lord because the Lord is her strength, the light in her salvation. Let me explain something to you before I take my seat and talk to you today about another subject he want me to talk about. It's about that atmosphere of worship. Y'all know about that atmosphere of worship? I'm going to talk about that Shekinah glory, and y'all going to hear about the first soul train line ever repeated in Scripture. It was off the charts. It's right there in the text. It was Don Cornelius. He was putting letters on the wall. I can go there, but I'm just going to let you know. So tell somebody to come back, and they're going to hear about something that was fantastically phenomenal in the text. I'm going to close right here. Watch this. These men had an obstacle to overcome, but they had to live that blessed life. Y'all know that song ain't got going back and forth with you. All churches is adopting it. Everybody want to live that blessed life. But they got it out of context. Blessed life ain't about how much you live. It's how much you give. All right, I'm going to say it again. It ain't about how well you live. It's about how well you give. You know you're blessed when you can sow despite what you got coming. You can help despite that you don't have much.
you can sow despite not knowing where your next meal is going to come from because blessed is the man that can stand in the backdrop of something ugly. But his delight then becomes the law of God's word and he begins to now declare it. And God says now your occupation is going to now supply your fertilization. Everywhere you stand, everywhere you go is going to multiply, but you can't keep it to yourself. You got to give it to somebody else who was in your former condition. Because God says while you were what? Yet sinners that he died on the cross for you. And I want Mountain View, if you don't remember nothing else, you're going to be carriers for 2019. 2019, you're going to be carriers. We're going to leave the mundane bickering. Mundane. I'm talking to you because I'm talking to my church. I know where you're at because I know where we are. You just got in here. We just got in our spot. It was a struggle getting in there. It was a struggle getting in there. You're fired up when you get here. And this is a Toya celebration. But guess what? Once it's over, that's when the work starts. I said it in Bible class. Don't you sit here and act like you've done something. You ain't done nothing. I know it's a hard thing to say to you on your anniversary, on your, on your commemoration of such a great feat. But watch this. Long after this service is over, bills will still run in these walls. There's going to be stuff still need to be fixed. I don't know what's all wrong in here, but I know everything ain't right. I know there's stuff that y'all want to do. But if you just be religious, it ain't going to happen. Religious will close your doors. But carriers will keep them open. Because as long as you demonstrate faith to do what it takes to get people in here, God going to do what it takes to keep you up in here, up in here, up in here. I've said enough. If you're here today and you're not a carrier, God says you ought to be one. The sweetest thing I can ever declare is the day that God saved me. And I mean truly saved me. Because when he saved me, he told me that I'm going to take a nobody that's not of the pedigree. I don't have, like, I want to get S.M. Morris. I'm hoping to get that. Y'all going to catch that tomorrow? I don't know how J.K. got his, but I want mine. I know he got a full name. But I heard when you get big time, you can get initials. <laughs> so I tell my church, I'm SM. <laughs> They're like, SM? That don't even sound right. <laughs> Brother Morris. <laughs> but if you're here today and you've heard the word, Romans 10, 17 says, your faith cometh by your hearing. Your hearing comes by what? The very word of God. You believe it.